Welcome, campers. Settle in tight, for tonight you're in for a fright. Welcome, campers, to Friday Night Fright. We're your hosts. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jordan. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> there's no um there's no catchphrase there. I'm there's just gonna I'm gonna reuse the screen that I put in the, the beginning of the intro. Yes. Like, ah! It's Do gonna it. be and I'm Jordan. Ah! Nice. Yeah. I'm for it. Sweet. Dude, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm like, two things that I consumed today left me shook, for lack of a better term. Okay. So, today was the big um, UAP talk in the Senate, right? And there were some fucking bombshells, some like, legitimate bombshells. Yeah. From this uh, David Grush fella. Like, there was a moment where they, I mean, they asked straight ahead if he had, in his experience, okay, they ask if he knows anyone that has a knowledge of, or if he personally has knowledge of, of people being injured while reverse engineering legacy technology that was, you know, established as non-human. Right. And he just like leans toward the microphone and adjusts it and says, yes, just yes. Yeah. To a question like that. It's fucking wild. I mean, that's awesome. It's man. There's definitely watch the highlights. If you watch the highlights of it, it's palatable, but watching the whole fucking thing is a little bit mind numbing. And that's coming from someone who used to watch C-SPAN recreationally. (laughs) I don't know what's wrong with you. Dude, it's... Yeah, it's a lot. I'm definitely out of practice watching, like, Senate hearings and stuff. Yeah, they're so dry and... Yeah. I mean, that's it, really. All the laws, like, the chair recognizes the gentleman from North Dakota and all that shit that you have to get through before they can actually say anything right like it is hard to watch the whole thing if you're not used to watching stuff like that but like if you just get the highlights there are tons of people putting all the highlights out from it and i mean that's the nice thing is you can just watch it and skip through all that shit too sure yeah it's like uh yeah. yeah yeah but yeah it's they he confirmed that he confirmed that like he new specific information like he basically said that along with recovered 
recovered crafts that there were non-human biologics recovered which is also fucking nuts also awesome yes yeah but just like to hear this shit in the in the for, in such a oh, formal setting, yeah, I mean, in yeah. that type of setting, for first of all, right? Yeah, I think it's just it's we're so we're one step closer, like when one I, step closer. When I watch it, when I watched it, it was like there's this weird thing. It's like I'm not sitting here. What I'm not listening to a call in on coast to coast, right? You know yeah, what I mean? Like this like is the real deal. The fucking yeah, this is the fucking Senate. Yeah, and you have elected officials asking like, "Hey, bro, are aliens real or what? What's the deal with aliens?" Like it's so weird. But it's also what a time to be alive. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> it really is. Like little boy me, and still little boy me now. It's just like yes, yeah fully hyped yes it is i was watching it my wife and i were watching it i turned to her and i was like if look at the fucking world we live in like after what we've all lived through the last like three or four years yeah and the like economies coming crashing down around us and fucking why the housing market's crazy inflation's on top of all that blow the whistle on it yeah it's dude it's so i'm much. into it it's I'm into it it's wild it's, i mean i i just I'm, feel like in in that that type of formal setting and that like i mean legitimate i just feel like we're one step closer to full disclosure yeah yeah i think i i think man i don't know i think we'll eventually see it there's a lot of speculation about why about why this is happening when it's happening yeah you know of course like the ufology community goes hand in hand with conspiracy theories and all that stuff. But like there, there seems to be, or people are talking like there's some kind of timetable that's been established. Like they're, they're hinting about the idea that like they know they have until a certain period of time to get people comfortable with this idea. You know what I mean? I mean, we've been on the soft disclosure track for a while now yeah i feel like it's time to just go balls deep you think so oh yeah i mean i i think i think i don't know i honestly i think people are ready for it i i mean the fact that like people can just brush it off and be like oh yeah you know all right whatever i think people think they're ready for it i don't know if they actually are i'm ready i think it's going if it okay if it actually comes out that extraterrestrial living beings from other planets like actual intelligent beings from other planets have and are like have been and are visiting earth if that actually is confirmed that's going to upend so much of our society i know it's gonna be awesome so imagine how much effect that's gonna have on like structured religion and shit like that and oh it's gonna be great and that's the go-to right like people are like it's gonna destroy religion but beyond that dude just like the idea that we are the top of the food chain is a huge part of how our society is built yeah you know what i mean it it operates under the assumption that we are the most intelligent most advanced species in existence but we know that we're not 
I mean, I know that we're not. I, you know, deep down in my heart of hearts and my feels of feels, I know we're not. Right, but society is built upon the idea that we are. Well, society will get over it. I hope so. I hope it gets I, over or, it nicely. I mean, what, what's going to happen? Like, the world's going to go and go into, like, full anarchy mode and just blow itself up? I don't know, man. A lot of established... Um, a lot of established systems aren't going to function the way they used to. Like what? They just can't. I don't, they just like, <clears throat> I don't know. One of them. <laughs> it's just the, the idea that we, that we're the top, right? That's like, that's a huge part of, of who we are and how we run things. Like the way, the way that we, the way that we take care of the environment or fail to take care of the environment is imagine how much that would shift if someone could tell us what to do. I mean, yeah, it'd be fantastic. You know what I mean, if, I I mean, feel if like they have could, good intentions, they could be fantastic. True, but I feel like at the same time, it might also help us collectively join together to prevent like the fall of, you know, like, uh, the you destruction know, of Earth. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, to yeah. put it, I guess, you know, as, as lightly <laughs> yeah. as possible. But uh, <laughs> I feel like, uh, yeah, I'm honestly, it could, it could be very beneficial in that sense. I mean, yeah. Like, that again, sounds people nice. People can get their shit together and be like, oh, this is actually something that we need to be focusing on. Or they're going to be like, aliens are going to come and take us away. <laughs> yeah. I mean,. <laughs> Changes like that sound nice, but there's a reason that we've created our institutions in the way we have that they change very slowly over time, right? So, like, imagine if aliens fucking drop down on the lawn of the White House tomorrow. Yeah. Right? That classic scene. It'd be awesome. And they're like, and they're like, starting tomorrow, we're going to rearrange your institutions to promote caring for people and caring for your environment instead of caring for profit. And I am right there to back that up. Right. That sounds incredible, right? But it's the starting tomorrow thing that is the problem because our economy would completely or collapse immediately. Yeah, temporarily. It would. I, yeah. I, I don't Lots think it would have any long-term major effects. I, I think I after know, that man. we could thrive. I mean, I think so too. But it would have to be a slow rollout, a, a change that big. It would have to come slowly. I mean, just my thing is acknowledge it or whatever else. I mean, like, and I don't, I don't know. I don't see major changes. Maybe, I, maybe I should re reform what I'm trying. What I'm trying to say. I I anticipate this is this is the way I see things going down. You know, we we get word like, hey, this is this is it. Like, we've been holding back. We've known about this. Yeah, this is legitimate. We're trying to prevent these things from happening. You know, just continue to blah blah. Do as you do. Blah blah. We will continue to serve you as blah blah. Nothing changes. Yeah. You I'll know, it, really, right. it, nothing changes because you know damn well. That they have been planning for some type of attack. I mean, it 
again, granted, what was it uh, back in the 80s when Reagan yeah, brought it mentioned, up. you know, like, we have to plan for, like, otherworldly, you know, whatever. Sure. And I know it was kind of joking when he said it, but I also, like, there's got to be truth to that. I mean, he brought up aliens all the time, so. Yeah. He loved aliens. Like, I think, I think that that has been an ongoing thing, though. Like, preparations for that is, you know, we will come together as, like, multi-nations and stuff and, you know, sure. be able to be prepared for stuff like that. But also, at the same time, we also need to be open and not just go completely, like, hard as fuck. And, you know, because, I mean, we're not going to have, I, I don't know. I granted, I've never met an alien, so I can't say. Sure, you know they they none of them might may like us, but I I highly doubt that. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, what's it, what it was could it, go either way, right? What was his name? Jared is that uh, Jared the Jared the alien, the one that uh, the we had been quote unquote working with in the like the late forties up until uh, I think he eventually passed away or whatever. I have no idea what you're talking about. Ah, man, I'm going to have to look (laughs) look it up now. I want to say it was Jared. Yeah. I don't don't know any Jared the Alien. Back in the the crash, the Roswell crash, after Uh that we, you know, granted they had found several uh, expired aliens. Sure. But then we had the one that we worked with that, like, he he was the alien, like, everybody, everybody knew, knew who he was. He wore clothing, okay. like wore actual <laughs> clothing, but yeah, yeah, he helped, he helped the government with like all these like crazy, crazy tech and, and stuff that, uh, you know, was okay. far beyond anything that we had available at the time. I mean, maybe I haven't dug deeply enough into the Roswell stuff, but like, I don't, I don't know anything about Jared. I instantly thought Valiant Thor, but I think that's, a I mean, Valiant story. Thor, he was the one in the White House, right? So, right. Supposedly he actually walked around the white house and shit hung out in the oval office yeah uh and this is a crazy ass story maybe his name is maybe it's it's different but we're just gonna call him jared for the sake of this because if yeah. it is something else i i don't know why that name's just popping in my head but <laughs> i mean it was it was like literally in like 45 or 48 whatever that that happened um they, yeah they he had worked together with like on all these like different projects and stuff with the government for many many years yeah allegedly okay (laughs) gotta throw that there (laughs) uh but regardless you know so i mean we might have we might have something like that i i mean i i'm sure and i feel like as well is that we've been working with aliens for a very very long time yeah, I mean, um, it it could be a situation like a Vulcan human situation. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with the Star Trek timeline, but the the like basically the Vulcans come to Earth, they reveal to to humanity that they're not alone in the universe. It's the Vulcans that do it. And they like help usher humanity into the age of like space exploration. Okay. They, they come down. They like decide they're ready, so they come down and they're like, "Okay, we're gonna give you the last couple steps, and then you'll be there." Right. And a situation like that would be pretty badass. I mean, yeah, that would be awesome. But you know, then again, I turn on like you know CNN or Fox News or MSNBC or something, and I'm like, "There's no way 
an alien thinks we're ready. I mean, but... Like, so many fucking assholes still left in the world. I mean, yeah. Like, our shit is so divided, and war is constantly going on, and... But, I mean, little, little we know, or little do we know, that could also be the same thing that they're dealing with. That's terrible. A higher scale. I hope that's not true. I hope not either, but... I hope that by the time a civilization develops the technology necessary to travel across deep space that they have figured out you know how to coexist with their own people socially either that or at least outrun them <laughs> yeah right yeah um i don't know man i i just i think it's awesome and i'm i'm pumped for it i'm ready for it i can only like yeah i just, I just get giddy thinking about like just the possible the possibility yeah. of like full disclosure and stuff and, and, i mean honestly I'm someone who doesn't give much credence at all to the extraterrestrial hypothesis. Like, I don't really buy it. But today, watching that, it I got stoked. It was. I don't know how you can't buy it either. Like, that's just. I just don't. It's absurd to me to hear that. (laughs) I just. I I believe in aliens before I believe in ghosts. Yeah, I think you just (laughs) said the same thing twice. uh whatever yeah um i don't know i i just don't think that i don't i think the likelihood that a life form that evolved in a completely different biosphere would be anything anything out of any of these stories that people have told i think is very it's a very small likelihood it's it doesn't make sense they gotta be based on something though right yeah but It would be even the tiniest change in the evolutionary chain would completely alter everything. Yeah. So I can't imagine if there is life on another planet, it would look like us from the neck down. You know what I mean? I don't know. I mean, I I think it's definitely possible. There's obviously going to be adaptation and stuff like that. Um, You know, changes to or like biological changes to adapt to their surroundings in the area and stuff like that which is going to cause and some probably pretty big differences. Yeah, massive right. differences. Even like a 2% change in gravity. And yeah. Would I mean it would completely alter the way living beings evolved completely. So or just a tiny shift in, you know, the amount of the amount of any of the elements that make up the atmosphere of the planet would completely change the way creatures evolved. Well, you know, there's only yeah. one way we'll know. Yeah. Find out. Exactly. <laughs> we got to find out. So the other thing that shook me today. <laughs> yeah. I, um, we will get to spooky stories eventually. Sorry. But the other thing that shook me was I finished that documentary about the um the Zodiac killer. Oh yeah. Yeah. How I think it? I'm one hundred percent convinced that On the Zodiac <laughs> killer never existed. <laughs> I, need, I really think I need I to check it out for sure. Yeah. It's actually only two parts. It's like uh each of them's like an hour and a half. Oh that's not bad. I thought yeah. it was like a full mini series, but it's right. really ju- it's two. Um but it's fucking convincing, dude. It really is. It's I'm now like completely I'm pretty much completely on board with the idea that like the first four letters were written by one person the fine the 
28 that came after the fourth murder was a, sec- a second person, at least. Yeah. Another one other person. Uh, I think the first, like, I, I don't want to give you a ton of spoilers, but it like, it makes total sense that they were all separate incidents. Right. Committed, like crimes committed by separate people. I mean, like there, there's been that kind of that's been kind of an ongoing theory, though, for you know, for a while. I know I've seen I've seen that mentioned at least before reading into it. You know that some people thought that that could be the case. See, I've just heard it like listed in a list of possible theories. Right. I've never heard anyone actually like get into it and try. I mean, to that's prove that's gonna be it. the thing. Yeah, yeah is actually yeah. getting into it for sure. Yep. And they awesome. do a a damn good job. I mean, they end on a question mark, which you have to, right? Like no one was there like that that were hosting the show or writing the show. They weren't there, so they don't know. But like I'm pretty I'm pretty convinced. I don't think the Zodiac killer existed. <laughs> I'm going to say it. All right. I I'm pretty sure the especially the 28 letters that right, came after yeah. the fourth murder. I think that was just a way of propping up the the story so that they could keep selling a shitload of newspapers. I'm yeah, I mean honestly that sounds good. Yeah. And they had this interview with this fucking dude who was like a retired reporter and he's like, "Oh no, no one would ever do no reporter would ever do that." <laughs> and I'm like, "Who the fuck do you think you are?" Like as someone who as someone who researches cryptids in particular right like our we have a long long illustrious history of newspaper men making shit up out of whole cloth to sell newspapers oh, we, i mean we've talked about it numerous times just yeah just to sell a story is what it is yeah i was telling my wife here in america we basically had a 15 year span from 1980 to 1995 where the news was actually reliable. Okay. Like, before 1980, we didn't really have modern fact-checking, and people basically just printed whatever they felt like printing and threw it out there. It was a little earlier than that, but not much. Basically a 15... And then after 95, we had the 24-hour news cycle, and the news got split for left and right, and completely unreliable after that. Right. Like... So we had a 15-year chunk, basically our childhood, where you could turn on the news, and it didn't matter what channel you picked. At 6 o'clock, they were going to tell you the same stuff happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was across all all of the news outlets. Because that's what happened that day. Yeah. (laughs) That's how the news was when we were kids. But now it's fucking, you have the conservative news and the liberal news, and Depending on which one you pick, the world is a completely different place. <laughs> true. True. It's fucking crazy. But, I mean, that's... You know, you, you have to cater to all, right? I, yeah, I fucking guess. I guess you do now. I mean, we're an all-inclusive world now, so... Everyone with their own little reality tunnels. Exactly. They have to constantly be, you know, have their bias confirmed over and over again with everything they read. Yeah. It's a sad state, Ryan. It's all right. You you are important. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah, are all of you. My algorithm tells me so. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why you have options. Yeah. My algorithm confirms every day that the stuff I like matters. 
<laughs> and with that said, let's get right into it. Exactly. <laughs> We're only 20 minutes in, so let's tell some spooky stories. Excellent. <clears throat> what do you got for us, Ryan? I have, uh, so I, I decided to do this little thing. I don't know if I should discuss it or if I should just go with it and start reporting on it and see how it how it takes. <laughs> yeah. It's up Tonight's to story is called The Shrouded Ones. I'll leave it at that. How about you? Oh. <laughs> I guess you want to know. My story is called <laughs> Desert's Vengeance, The Tale of the Thunderbird. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I only accept scary stories with titles that have colons. I mean, yeah. yeah. I, I, I love to have colons in my, my title, but tonight's, yeah, like tonight's goose- didn't, uh, didn't quite need it. I need a good Goosebumps title. Right, yeah. That's, yeah, that's what I require. My story actually came um, based on a suggestion that Vuk from Tracing Owls made in our uh, Discord. Nice. So, yeah, thanks to him. We uh we put it out in our Discord to make recommendations and he went above and beyond and made like what like 15 and several, yeah. different recommendations and they were all pretty fucking awesome and wild. So yeah. I was excited about this one. Sweet. Also, I I do this thing sometimes where I pick up like a favorite book that I've read a bunch of times and I'll just flip to a random page and read until I want to stop reading. And I did that with the book It recently. And um, it was the scene where um, Michael is being chased by Pennywise in the form of a Thunderbird through the forest. And it's a scene that never made it into the the movie or the miniseries. Uh, Yeah, there was a lot that never made it in. But it's a fucking fantastic scene in that book. It's terrifying. He, like, ends up taking shelter in a big storm drain and... Like, yeah, it's scary as shit. I've been and wanting so that to been, reread that book for a while, but just still haven't. It's so good, dude. It's, uh, but that scene had been stuck in my head for a couple weeks anyway. So when I saw that recommendation from Vuk, I was like, yep, Thunderbird. Sweet. Yeah. I'm here for it. That'll be good. Sweet. Mine is, uh, it's based off of an urban legend. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how she goes. I'm psyched. Okay. Well, you want to go you first, start or, uh, or you want me to? <laughs> uh, same time. Yep. Oh. Let's just both read our stories at the same All right, time. Ready? Three, two. <laughs> <laughs> now you can go first All if right, you like. All right, I'll go first. Okay. Because if you're not first, you're last. I'm last. The Shrouded Ones. It was a misty autumn afternoon when a group of four friends... Mark, Emily, Alex, and Lily arrived in the quaint town of Ravenbrook. Their fascination with urban legends and creepypastas had led them to seek out the chilling tale of the Shrouded Ones. As amateur paranormal investigators, they yearned to experience the thrill of exploring the enigmatic forest that enshrouded the town. Ravenbrook welcomed outsiders with cautious hospitality. But the townsfolk couldn't help but exchange knowing glances when they heard of the group's intentions. Everyone in the town had heard the story of the Shrouded Ones. While some treated it as mere folklore, others harbored deep-seated fears of the malevolent entities that supposedly roamed the woods. The four friends settled into a rustic inn, their excitement growing with each passing hour. 
As dusk approached, they gathered around a table in the dimly lit common room, huddled together to plan their nocturnal adventure. Emily, the group's unofficial leader, spread out an old map that she had obtained from a local bookstore, which displayed the forest's twisting trails and hidden clearings. The map bore markings that indicated the supposed locations of the Shrouded One symbols, a trail of breadcrumbs left behind by those who had encountered their sinister entities. We'll start from here, Emily pointed to a spot on the map. This is where the first reported sighting of the Shrouded Ones occurred. Lily shivered, her eyes wide with anticipation and anxiety. Are we really going to do this? I mean, what if the legend is true? Alex chuckled, trying to mask his own unease. Come on, Lil. It's just a story. People like getting scared. It's all in good fun. Lil needs to get it together. She's a fucking paranormal investigator. (laughs) I like Lil. Jeez. Jesus, you gotta have balls to do it. I mean, I not mean, balls. You gotta have you, guts. You gotta to do have. It. You gotta have something to do it. Right? Exactly. <laughs> you gotta have a little chutzpah. <laughs> yeah, you know, we call it that. Yeah. Mark nodded in agreement. He's right. And think about the views we'll get on our YouTube channel. This could be the video that goes viral. <laughs> See, Mark's got the right yeah, idea. Exactly. He knows. You gotta do He's it for the handles. He's handling the business side. Yeah. Yeah. Though her friends tried to reassure her, Lily couldn't shake the feeling of being watched. The inn's walls seemed to press in, and she had an uncanny sense that unseen eyes followed their every move. Lil was having a panic attack. (laughs) That's most likely what was going on there. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, she couldn't shake that feeling of being being watched. I almost said unwatched. (laughs) <laughs> we don't want to see oh, you what a modern tragedy <laughs> i feel unwatched i resonate with that so much i've made some posts on on instagram that have felt terribly unwatched <laughs> so i know that feeling i mean you should never get upset about posting things and nobody not you know nobody i guess everyone leaving them unwatched it's social yeah, media. I mean, Come on, bud. Unless you're trying to make a podcast popular, you know what I mean? Then there's a little disappointment. I mean, you gotta <laughs> you gotta admit, sometimes you just you just want that attention. Yeah, of course. Exactly. Yeah. That's why we all do this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> she brushed it off his nerves and reluctantly joined in in laughter, convincing herself that it was all just a thrilling adventure. As night descended upon Ravenbrook, the forest outside the town's border seemed to beckon with an eerie allure. The moon was hidden behind a blanket of clouds casting the town and its surroundings into inky darkness. We've heard inky darkness in another one of these, and I love it. I don't know. Yeah, Yeah, I do. It's a good one. This was the perfect time to venture into the woods, as per the legend of the Shrouded Ones. Equipped with flashlights, cameras, and audio recorders, the four friends set out, their excitement mingling with trepidation. Each step they took into the forest amplified the feeling of being watched. Again with... Man, remember your last story about uh, the girl? (laughs) She couldn't help the feeling of being watched. Yeah. I mean, that's a big part of these experiences, honestly. Like... Yeah. It's it's a weird feeling. There's a term for it. 
It's um, we're being watched. God, I wish I could remember. I but there's a term for that feeling you get, especially in the forest, like you're being watched, and it's like you really you really can feel it. It's weird. I just suffer from unwatched syndrome. <laughs> you just don't go in the forest enough. Not that I spend yeah, a whole maybe. lot of time there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's fair. The rustling of leaves and distant nocturnal sounds sent shivers down their spines. Are you sure we're going the right way? Emily asked, her voice tinged with uncertainty as she referred to the map. I'm positive. We just need to keep following this trail, Mark replied, his eyes darting nervously around the darkened forest. Damn. Mark with the business and the cartography. Yeah. He's a double threat so far. If he can tap dance, he's a shoe in. (laughs) Tap dance, sing, rub his belly and scratch his head or something. (laughs) Pat his belly and rub his head. I don't know one of them. Yeah. The deeper they ventured, the denser the shadows became. The forest seemed to swallow the light from their flashlights, making visibility difficult. Each time one of them thought they caught a glimpse of something moving between the trees, it vanished without a trace. Emily stopped suddenly, holding up a hand to halt the others. Listen. Hey, listen. Did you hear that? They fell silent, straining their ears to catch any sound over the pounding of their hearts. A soft, eerie whisper seemed to echo through the trees, too faint to make out any distant words. Alex swallowed hard, glancing around. It's probably just the wind playing tricks on us. No, I heard something too, Lily said, her voice trembling. Let's keep going. The symbols should just be ahead. Pushing forward, they soon came upon the first of the mysterious symbols, etched into the bark of a gnarled tree. The symbol resembled an elongated eye with intricate patterns surrounding it and it matched the descriptions they had read about in their research. Excitedly, Emily began documenting their findings with their camera, capturing both the symbol and the surrounding area. As she focused on the tree, the sense of foreboding washed over her. She couldn't shake the feeling that they were being watched from the shadows. (laughs) Still. Gotta mention it at least 20 more times. Eventually, these people in these stories will stop trying to shake feelings. Yeah. I'm not sure yeah. how that works, but it's, it doesn't seem to be very effective. Uh, not yet. Not no yet. one can ever shake it. We're getting there, though. <laughs> yeah. Guys, let's hurry. We've got what we came for, Emily urged, her voice quivering. They continued deeper into the woods, following a trail of symbols, each one seemingly leading them further away from the safety of Ravenbrook. The distant whispering grew louder, and eerie shadows danced just beyond the reach of their flashlights. Suddenly, the forest fell silent. No nocturnal sounds, no rustling leaves. The friends exchanged nervous glances, their heartbeats thundering in their ears. Okay, this is getting seriously creepy, Mark muttered, trying to maintain his composure. Before anyone could respond, a chilling sight froze them in their tracks. 
A pair of glowing, amber eyes appeared amidst the darkness, staring at them from a distance. It's just an animal, right? Lily whispered, her voice barely audible. But the glowing eyes didn't move like an ordinary animal. They seemed to float, suspended in the air, growing closer and closer with each passing moment. Panic surged through the group and they turned to flee back the way they came, but their path was blocked by a wall of impenetrable darkness. The Shrouded Ones had surrounded them, and their eerie telepathic whispers filled the minds of the terrified friends. You have intruded upon our domain, the telepathic voices echoed, each word dripping with malevolence. Now you shall become one with the shadows. The Shrouded Ones closed in on the terrified group, their sinister presence almost suffocating. The friends tried to break free from the circle of darkness, but it was as if an invisible barrier prevented their escape. We shouldn't have come here, Lily cried, her voice trembling with fear. Emily's mind raced as she desperately searched for a way out. She remembered reading about a possible way to escape the Shrouded One's grasp in the legend. If they could show no fear and resist succumbing to terror, the entities might release them. Well, they're fucked. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe just a little bit. I should not have brought Lil. Her voice is always trembling with fear. This is Lil, alright? Constant trembling. Yeah, she's always trembling. Also, by definition, a telepathic voice could not echo. Just saying. Just putting that out there. It could, uh, it could... Yeah, yeah you're right, yeah. but still. Is it bouncing off the your, the inside of your skull? I don't know. Maybe they hear it as if it's, like... Echoing? Yeah. yeah. Who knows? Stay strong! Don't let fear control you! Emily shouted to her friends, trying to bolster their resolve. And other t-shirts. i love it make sure to check our merch store that's right the shrouded ones intrigued by their defiance intensified their telepathic assault the friends were bombarded with nightmarish images visions of their deepest fears brought to life each terrifying scene aimed to break their spirits But the group clung to one another for support, trying to stand firm against the onslaught. Time seemed to lose all meaning as the friends battled against the malevolent entities. It was an internal struggle as much as a physical one, as they fought to maintain their sanity and resilience in the face of unimaginable horror. Just when it seemed they couldn't endure any longer, the whispers and visions abruptly ceased. The wall of darkness dissolved, releasing the group from its suffocating grip. The Shrouded Ones had vanished. You know what this reminds me of? What's that? This reminds me of, like, I picture the the group of four friends in the middle of the woods, just, like, cosplaying this. You know? Like... It reminds me of the like wizard battles back in the day between LARPing? Like, yeah. Between like Aleister Crowley and other people in 
and the golden dawn where they're just like standing there just like thinking mean things at each other and the other one's like oh no oh (laughs) like yeah oh that'd be great because they're just like struggling with these images or whatever you know what i mean it's like like you said it's it's as much mental as physical right so they're just like i imagine the four of them just standing in a clearing at night going like oh 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 holding their heads (laughs) i think it'd be awesome it looks so silly if you were like flying a drone over and just watching them (laughs) (laughs) i like to play that game where like you imagine what people are saying or create like dialogue for them my wife and i do that like the the most absurd shit Yeah. yeah just imagine standing like that like hovering above them being like oh get you you can't hear me i told you i didn't want tacos for dinner (laughs) yeah this isn't where i parked my car (laughs) exactly yeah i told you the paddle boats are that way yeah (laughs) i'm not gonna keep going i can keep going but nope yeah the shrouded ones had vanished leaving the friends bewildered and shaken Back in their room at the inn, the four friends sat in silence, trying to process the night's terrifying events. The encounter with the Shrouded Ones had shaken them to the core, challenging their skepticism and belief in the supernatural. That was real, right? We all experienced it? Lily finally spoke, her voice hushed. I don't know what to believe anymore, Alex admitted, running a hand through his hair in frustration. Still, he's got to keep that cool, like, run his hand through his his lock. Got to James Dean it. Yeah. I don't know what to think. He probably has his, like, (laughs) cigarette pack rolled up in his, like, his short sleeve. Yep. (laughs) He somehow leaned up against a, like, a 57 Chevy. (laughs) An old jukebox. (laughs) Or a 57 Chevy, that, too. (laughs) In the hotel room. Alex, how'd you get that here? (laughs) He just, like, kicks his foot back and, like, an old song starts playing. And all of a sudden, he's got a cigarette in his mouth. Jeans cuffed. They're, like, perfectly still rolled (laughs) in his shirt sleeve, though. No one knows how he got there. (laughs) He's got, like, one of those black, like, short combs. Oh, yeah. He's just, like, combing back his, like, slick, like, greased back hair now. Yep. And we just accidentally made Alex a badass. (laughs) (laughs) I I actually like him a lot more (laughs) now. Me, too. Emily, who had always been the skeptic of the group, couldn't find a rational explanation for what they had witnessed. The legend of the Shrouded Ones had taken on a new level of reality, leaving her questioning everything she thought she knew. We should leave tomorrow. Just forget about this and move on, Mark suggested, eager to put the night's horrors behind them. But Emily couldn't let go of the encounter that easily. Despite the fear and uncertainty, she felt an unyielding obsession to uncover the truth behind the Shrouded Ones. She knew that they had barely scratched the surface of the ancient legend and its secrets. I can't just walk away, Emily said, her voice determined. We need to go back and learn more about the Shrouded Ones. About why they're trapped in this cursed state. Maybe there's a way to break the curse and set them free. The others looked at her in disbelief. Are you crazy? After what we went through? Lily exclaimed. 
I know it sounds insane, but there's something more to this legend. I can feel it. Emily replied, her mind racing with theories and questions. Against their better judgment, the group reluctantly agreed to return to the forest the next day. So, they're still going to go back. Yeah. And... Of course. Wow. They were torn between their fear of the Shrouded Ones and their curiosity about the enigmatic entities. Emily's conviction and unyielding obsession had persuaded them to give it another chance. The following night, under a partially obscured moon, the four friends ventured once more into the dark heart of the forest. They followed the trail of symbols, retracing their steps deeper into the shadows. As they neared the site of their previous encounter, a pervasive scent of unease settled over them. The forest seemed to grow darker, the shadows more oppressive than before. Yet Emily pushed forward, her determination driving them on. After what felt like an eternity of cautious steps and wary glances, they arrived at a clearing filled with ancient, towering trees. In the center stood a crumbling stone altar covered in symbols etched into its surface. The symbols matched those that they had seen on the trees, confirming their belief that this was the sacred site of the Shrouded Ones. As Emily approached the altar, she felt an inexplicable surge of energy, almost as if the very air crackled with an ancient power. Her fingers traced the intricate symbols, trying to decipher their meaning. This place, it it feels alive, like it's pulsating with energy, Emily said, her voice barely above a whisper. Lily shot her a worried look. Emily, I don't think we should be here. We've seen what they can do. But Emily was too focused on her investigation to heed Lily's warning. She pulled out a notebook and began sketching the symbols, hoping to find a pattern or a clue that might shed light on the nature of the Shrouded Ones and their curse. As Emily traced the last symbol, a tremor ran through the ground beneath them. The trees around the clearing swayed, their branches twisting and contorting in in an unnatural dance. A deep, resonant hum filled the air, growing louder with each passing second. The ground split open, revealing a dark chasm beneath the altar. The friends stumbled back, their hearts pounding in their chests. From the depths of the abyss, an ethereal, shadowy figure emerged, its form obscured by darkness. See, now they're fucked. I mean, they're definitely, yeah. This is, Why did they go back? This is what I love about our paranormal team, the Gone Ghostin paranormal. They, they know when to get the fuck out. Right. They would have had I mean, that experience you, the first night, and they would have been out of town the next morning. Yeah. Like, you don't go back. They would have been like, yeah, we got something. Yep. That's enough. We know it's legit. Yep. That's, that's enough. Exactly. <laughs> None of us died. Great success. Moving on. Like, why? Why? Dummies. It's one of them, Alex gasped, his eyes wide with terror. The figure floated above the altar, its eyes glowing with an eerie light. Without speaking, it projected its telepathic whispers into their minds once more. You dare return to this sacred place, the voice echoed in their heads. Emily gathered her courage and stepped forward, determined to find the answers. 
We mean no harm. We seek to understand your curse, and, if possible, find a way to break it. And could we, like, do a selfie on Instagram? (laughs) (laughs) Say cheeseburger! (laughs) Cheeseburger! (laughs) Fucking ridiculous. (laughs) The figure's glowing eyes seem to study Emily for a moment, as if assessing her sincerity... No mortal has shown such curiosity and compassion in centuries. It spoke, its voice carrying an air of ancient wisdom. Very well. I shall share our tale. What? (laughs) I hope you have to read a whole... I hope you're about to read a whole tale in that voice. (laughs) That's what I'm hoping for. Uh, All right. The shadowy figure revealed its name was Erevan, once a human who had fallen victim to a dark curse centuries ago. Erevan and the others had been a group of travelers passing through the cursed forest, their intentions innocent and pure. But they had unknowingly trespassed upon a sacred site of an ancient and malevolent being, who in retaliation condemned them to become the Shrouded Ones. That might be the most hardcore get-off-my-grass I've ever heard in my life. i i want to learn from from these people right that way as i'm an old man i can be like right you're a shrouded one (laughs) you'll never bother my grass again that's right because now they float above it (laughs) (laughs) as the legend foretold they were transformed into ethereal beings forever bound to haunt the shadows Their existence became intertwined with darkness and despair, and the only sustenance they could find was terror and fear. Over the centuries, they had tried in vain to break the curse, but their attempts always ended in failure and suffering. Dude, the Shrouded Ones are psychic vampires. Mm. That's intense. Yeah, Yeah. I could see that. Fear eaters. Which is super cool. Yeah. Yeah. Which, if you don't know anything about that, go and listen to our mm. vampire episode yeah. from the Vampire of Crogland two Halloweens ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get we 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 kind of briefly briefly scratch the circus, circus <laughs> surface. <laughs> we briefly scratch the surface for sure. Do yourself a favor. Emily listened intently, her heart aching for the tragic fate of Erevan and his fellow cursed souls. She asked if there was any way to lift the curse, to which Erevan replied that the only hope for redemption lie in an ancient artifact hidden deep within the heart of the cursed forest. The Reliquary of Souls, Erevan explained. Legend speaks of a powerful artifact that can free us from this cursed existence. Jesus, is this a trilogy? <laughs> oh, what is happening? <laughs> they're opening up a whole new main quest line. Well, maybe yeah, uh, but they're 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 towards the end. Okay. They're towards the end, I think. But the path to the reliquary is treacherous, and few who have sought it have returned. Emily glanced at her friends, knowing the danger that lie ahead but she couldn't ignore the opportunity to bring an end to the suffering of the Shrouded Ones. 
We will find the reliquary and break the curse. Emily vowed, her resolve unwavering. Aravin looked at her with a mix of gratitude and sadness. If you choose this path, know that the journey will test your courage and strength. The forest guards its secrets fiercely, and not all who enter will leave unscathed. Emily nodded, acknowledging the risks. The group understood that their quest would be perilous, but they were driven by compassion and a desire to bring an end to the malevolent curse that haunted the Shrouded Ones. This is above and beyond, man. I figured, you know, when they found out, they would just, like, go back to Portland and start a 501c3, you know? I should have. Just, like, get some charity going. Maybe get them a GoFundMe. (laughs) Go out there, start (laughs) do a meet and greet. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, apparently, these young brand new paranormal investigators are about to venture below the haunted forest into the bowels of the earth to find an ancient artifact. Yep. Jesus. As they set forth on their new mission, Emily knew that their encounter with the Shrouded Ones was just the beginning. The legend had become their reality, and they were determined to face the shadows head on, seeking answers and redemption in the heart of the cursed forest. Damn. I'm looking forward to part two. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have to, yeah, we'll have to uh, bring her back. I mean, all jokes aside, this is based off an urban legend that's pretty fucking scary. Like, the whole concept is pretty scary. I mean, yeah. Just like a living source to that feeling of being watched. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. That's yeah, that's pretty creepy. That was a fun story. I like that. Yeah, it was uh kind of absurd, yeah, but yeah, of course. I mean it took the legend a... and built a very AI story about it. You know what I mean? I mean Where it like goes yeah. a little farther than you would ever choose to go, you know. Right, but it's also like this is kind of silly. Like I I like, you know, of course I like hearing about the the backstory and yeah. what happened to Aravin and his his buddies. But also, like, the fact that she's like, we want to help you. And he's like, okay, all right, well, <laughs> fine. And before that, he's like, you, blah, 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 dur, dur, dur. And she's like, no, but listen. He's like, got me. All right. Fucking deal. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, I mean, for brevity's sake, right? They, they couldn't have, like, a two-page back and forth where she convinces him to allow them to be helpful but like yeah but this is what i don't like the humanizing the monster in these stories it's weird yeah see and that seems to be like the path that it always goes though yeah which i want like i want i want him just be like no yeah and then just like murders every one of them just rip them apart exactly and i want it to be like gruesome (laughs) like nasty gory just limbs, guts, sure. brains. Yeah. An eyeball here. If you're into that, that a sister's leg there, <laughs> brother's head, you know. If you're into that type of shit, go back and listen to our dogman episode. <laughs> <laughs> that one got pretty fucking gnarly. We're gonna find multiple more ways to plug old episodes in yeah. this episode, I think. Yeah, definitely. 
Uh, All right, well, uh, let's let's move on. Yeah. What what was your your two part title? My story is called Desert's Vengeance: Colon The Tale of the Thunderbird. It should just be like a Thunderbird story. <laughs> That's like if it was a Pixar movie. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you ready now for it? I want to. I'm 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 ready. You want a Pixar? I'm Thunderbird? ready. I'm also. I, I'm actually going to make a Pixar Thunderbird right quick, <laughs> as you told us. Okay. Fantastic bundle of joy we have coming up for us. We'll post it on Instagram, the Pixar Thunderbird. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. All right. Desert's Vengeance, the tale of the Thunderbird. The desert stretched out before him like an endless sea of sand and despair. The sun, a relentless inferno in the cloudless sky, cast its merciless rays upon the arid land, scorching everything in its path. Sweat trickled down John's brow as he trudged forward, his canteen almost empty and his hope dwindling with each step. John Tanner was a seasoned explorer, known for his daring expeditions into the world's most unforgiving terrains but this time he had outdone himself by venturing into the heart of the forbidding desert, a place where even the most experienced travelers feared to tread. He was on a quest for fame and glory, driven by the legends that spoke of the mythical Thunderbird, a creature said to possess immense power and guard the secrets of the desert. His guide, an old nomad named Hassan, had warned him against pursuing such a treacherous endeavor. The Thunderbird is no mere tale, Hassan had cautioned in his raspy voice. It is the guardian of the desert, and those who disturb its domain will face its wrath. But John's thirst for adventure had overpowered the voice of reason, and now he found himself alone in the vast wasteland, far away from society, with only his stubborn determination to guide him. With the sun descending toward the horizon... John sought shelter in the lee of a dune, hoping to rest and regain his strength before continuing his journey. The air was filled with a haunting stillness, and the only sound that accompanied him was the soft whisper of the sand, carried by the scorching winds. Nightfall brought no relief from the desert's oppressive heat, and John found sleep elusive. Resting under the moon's pale glow, he wondered if he was being watched haunted by the tales of the Thunderbird, whose eyes were set to glow like embers in the darkness. As the hours passed, John's exhaustion got the better of him, and he drifted into an uneasy slumber. His dreams were tormented by visions of immense wings casting dark shadows upon the dunes, and piercing eyes that seemed to penetrate his very soul. With a start, he awoke to the sound of a distant thunderclap, Confused, he looked around, but the sky above him was clear, devoid of any clouds. The noise persisted, growing louder and more menacing with each passing moment. Panic rose within him as he realized it was not thunder, but the beating of colossal wings drawing nearer. Scrambling to his feet, John glanced skyward, and his heart skipped a beat. There it was, the Thunderbird a sight that struck both awe and terror in his heart. The creature's wings spanned the horizon, and its piercing eyes glowed with an otherworldly intensity. 
Driven by instinct, John began to run, his feet sinking into the soft sand with each desperate step. But no matter how fast he ran, the Thunderbird closed the distance effortlessly, its shadow engulfing him with each mighty beat of its wings. The desert offered no solace, no refuge to shield him from the wrath of this ancient creature. There were no trees to hide under, no caves to crawl into, and no oases to seek comfort. The Thunderbird had chosen its battleground well, and John was a mere insect scurrying beneath the wrath of a colossal god. Fear clutched in his throat, his breaths ragged and labored as he sprinted onward, not daring to look back. The creature's screeches echoed in his ears, a cacophony of fury that sent shivers down his spine. Each time he glanced over his shoulder, the Thunderbird seemed closer, its eyes fixed on him with unyielding malevolence. Exhaustion gnawed at John's limbs, and his hope waned with each passing moment. He had underestimated the Thunderbird's speed and endurance, and now he paid the price for his arrogance. Fuck yeah, that's arrogant. I mean, yeah. Good luck outrunning a sparrow. I, think you're, I, was, I was getting ready to say, you think you're going to outrun this like big badass thing? No way. A fucking tiny bird is faster than you're going to run. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, they're going to be able to cover a lot more ground. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Like, good luck racing a pigeon. You know what I mean? Let alone a fucking thunderbird. That's fair. Oh, man. No man had ever faced the creature and lived to tell the tale. And it seemed that John's fate would be no different. With a sudden surge of desperation, he veered off his course hoping to throw the creature off his trail. But the Thunderbird was relentless, swooping down toward him with a gust of wind that knocked him off his feet. As he lay sprawled on the unforgiving sand, he knew his end was near. The searing sand burned against John's skin as he struggled to rise, his body battered and weak. The Thunderbird circled above, a menacing shadow blotting out the moon's light. It seemed to mock him, knowing there was no escape from its wrath. Summoning his last reserves of strength, John forced himself to his feet and staggered forward. He knew he couldn't outrun the Thunderbird forever, but he refused to give in without a fight. His mind raced, searching for a way to outsmart the creature and break free from its relentless pursuit. Desperation took hold and an idea flashed through his mind. He recalled the legends of the Thunderbird's insatiable hunger for souls. If he couldn't defeat the creature physically, perhaps he could deceive it with cunning. Rummaging through his satchel, John retrieved a small mirror, a trinket he had bought from a peddler in a distant market. The mirror's reflective surface glimmered in the moonlight, and he held it aloft, aiming it toward the Thunderbird. In the legends, it was said that the Thunderbird was mesmerized by its own reflection, captivated by the sight of its immense wings and fiery eyes. John hoped that, for a moment, the creature's vanity might overpower its thirst for vengeance. As he angled the mirror toward the Thunderbird, the creature faltered in its pursuit, as if momentarily entranced. It dipped lower, closer to the mirror, its attention fixated on its own reflection. John's heart pounded in his chest, and he seized the opportunity to alter his course, moving away from the Thunderbird's direct path. For a brief moment, it seemed as though the plan had worked, 
and John dared to hope that he might escape the Thunderbird's grasp. But his elation was short-lived as the creature's sinister intelligence revealed itself. With a triumphant screech, the bird broke free from its fascination with the mirror and resumed its pursuit with newfound determination. John's heart sank, but he refused to surrender. He continued to run, his legs aching and his lungs burning, driven by a sheer will to survive. With each step, he searched for a glimmer of hope, an escape route from the creature's relentless pursuit. This creature's pursuit is relentless as fuck. I mean, it's, yeah. Oh, just over and over again. Relentless, <laughs> relentless, relentless. Relentless use of the word relentless going on here. The desert landscape offered no sanctuary, and the Thunderbird's immense wings allowed, allowed it to cover vast distances with ease. John knew that his chances were slim, but he refused to accept defeat. That, I, I gotta say, the AI is terrible about repeating itself. Yeah, that's that's one thing I yeah I don't like is that it's very much it just says the same thing over and right. over. Not just like overuse of words, it like the ideas. It will relay the same concept multiple times in different ways. You know what I mean? Right. Like we get it. He's not going to give up. Right? Like, uh -huh. he's determined. We understand. He would not become another tragic chapter in the legend of the Thunderbird. In the distance, a massive sand dune rose like a monolith, casting its imposing silhouette against the moonlit sky. John's eyes lit up with a spark of hope. The dune's steep slope could be his salvation. He recalled stories of sand dunes swallowing entire caravans, and he hoped that the soft sand might slow the Thunderbird's pursuit, giving him a chance to escape. With renewed determination, John altered his course toward the towering dune. The Thunderbird, sensing his plan, intensified its pursuit, closing the gap between them with terrifying speed. Each breath became a gasp, and his muscles screamed in protest, but he pressed on, knowing that it was now or never. As John neared the base of the dune, he mustered every ounce of strength and began to climb. The sand beneath his feet shifted, making the ascent arduous and treacherous. He risked a glance over his shoulder and saw the Thunderbird descending, its eyes ablaze with fury. The summit seemed impossibly distant, and John's hope began to wane. But he couldn't give up. Not now. I mean, no. <laughs> Definitely not. No giving up. He refused to let fear dictate his fate. Pushing forward, he scrambled up the shifting sands, his hands gripping at the grains, his heart pounding in his ears. The Thunderbird drew nearer, its shadow growing larger, its screeches reverberating through the desert air. John's breaths became shallow, and his limbs threatened to give way, but he refused to yield. Can't give up. With an almost primal resolve, he reached the top of the dune and stumbled over to the other side. As he descended the slope of the dune, as he descended, the slope of the dune offered some resistance against the Thunderbird's pursuit. The creature's massive wings struggled to maneuver amidst the soft sands, granting John a momentary advantage. He focused on reaching the dune's base, 
his body moving with a determination that bordered on desperation. But just as he thought he might escape, the Thunderbird unleashed a gust of wind that sent him tumbling down the dune's steep slope. Dang. Right? The fucking... Oh, what's that attack that, uh, that Pidgey does? And like where it just bats its oh, wings yeah. and sends the, mm-hmm. yeah, basically that. Yeah, that'd be gnarly. Right? Dazed and disoriented, John landed in a heap at the foot of the dune, his body battered and bruised. He struggled to get up, but his strength was ebbing away. The Thunderbird descended upon him, its talons poised to deliver a final blow. In that moment of despair, a gust of wind rose from the desert floor, whipping sand around John's prone form. As the sand enveloped him, he felt a strange sensation, as though the desert itself was rising up to protect him. No one ever fucking dies in these stories. I mean, no, it's... they're too... Nice? Uh, Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Maybe we needed to start being very particular and... When we do like the uh, the AI the um, prompt, yeah, to be like, make sure main character dies a gruesome death. Yeah, <laughs> right. Okay, just so add some flavor. I mean, come on. Yeah, because they, they the AI always puts in some crazy left turn at the last minute to make the person survive. They survived, and they went on to tell their tale. <laughs> yeah, and the whole town cheered. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler, if you're unaware of the fact that we've been doing this for a while and, like, it's a running theme with these AI stories. In the midst of the swirling sands, a surreal stillness settled over John. Time seemed to slow, and he felt an inexplicable connection with the desert around him. It was as if the very essence of the arid land had risen to defend its intruder against the wrath of the Thunderbird. The Thunderbird's eyes flared with rage as it descended, but to its bewilderment, the sands rose and twisted, forming a protective barrier around John. The creature's colossal wings beat against the powerful winds of the desert, but it was as if an invisible force held it at bay. Confounded by the unexpected turn of events, the Thunderbird emitted a furious screech, attempting to overpower the resistance it encountered. Yet the desert's vengeance proved too formidable and the creature's malevolent cries were absorbed by the dunes. Amidst the chaos, John crawled toward the sanctuary the desert had granted him, seeking refuge from the Thunderbird's wrath. The sands encircled him like a protective cocoon, shielding him from the creature's menacing gaze. It was a sight beyond comprehension, the dance between the Thunderbird's fury and the desert's tenacity. As the dust settled and the wind subsided, the Thunderbird finally conceded defeat. With one last scornful glare, it ascended into the night sky, disappearing beyond the horizon. The desert had won the battle, defending its domain and sparing John's life. (laughs) I like that final scornful glare. Yeah, right. But John was just so determined the whole time. Right? Alright, we're almost through. You ready? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Exhausted and bewildered, John emerged from the sands, his body covered in a fine layer of desert dust. He marveled at the surreal event that had just unfolded, struggling to grasp the reality of what had transpired. In the distance, a faint glow caught his eye. 
Drawn by an inexplicable pull, he stumbled toward the ethereal light. As he approached, he realized it emanated from an ancient ruin partially buried in the sand. The very same ruins he had heard whispered in tales of the Thunderbird's curse. No way. Yeah. Is he about to break the curse? Maybe. Curiosity overpowered his fear, and John ventured inside the ruins, his heart pounding with trepidation. The air was thick with an otherworldly aura, and the hieroglyphs etched on the walls seemed to come alive in the moonlit darkness. Guided by an unseen force, John traced the markings with his fingers, attempting to decipher their meaning. Because he knows, like, these ancient ancient hieroglyphs, and if he can just rub his fingers on it, he can decipher it. This is exactly what what's her fuck did in the ruins in your story. I mean, yeah, true. Tracing it with his trying to decipher the meaning. Jeez. Oh, That's weird. They always seem... I don't know. We have lots of lots of overlap in our stories unintentionally. Definitely do. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's strange. The story they told was one of ancient rituals and offerings made to appease the Thunderbird, a plea for forgiveness and the restoration of balance to the desert. With each passing moment, a profound realization dawned upon him. The curse of the Thunderbird wasn't merely a tale of malevolence. It was a cautionary tale a testament to the desert's guardianship and the consequences of violating its sanctity. In that solemn chamber, John made a vow. He pledged to respect the desert and its secrets, to never again seek to exploit its mysteries for personal gain. He understood that he had come perilously close to meeting his end, and he knew he had been granted a second chance, one that should not be taken lightly. Leaving the ruins... John emerged into the cool night air, the desert stretching out before him, both mystical and unforgiving. He now saw the landscape with new eyes, humbled by its power and mystery. He knew he had to return to civilization, to share his tale and warn others of the Thunderbird's curse. As dawn broke, John set out on his journey back, a changed man. He traveled with a newfound respect for the land and its enigmatic guardian. The desert seemed to whisper its approval the sands offering a safe passage through the treacherous terrain. Days turned into weeks, and eventually he arrived at the outskirts of a bustling town. Word of his miraculous encounter with the Thunderbird had already spread, and people gathered to hear his harrowing tale. Some scoffed at the notion of a mythical creature protecting the desert, but others heeded his words, mindful of the desert's unforeseen forces. Over time, John became a storyteller, recounting his encounter with the Thunderbird and the lessons that he had learned from the desert's vengeance. His tales were a cautionary reminder, and he inspired others to approach the world's wonders with respect and reverence. Though the Thunderbird had spared his life, John carried its memory with him always. He understood that the creature's ancient presence served as a reminder of the balance between humanity and the untamed forces of nature. And so the legend of the Thunderbird and the cursed desert lived on, woven into the fabric of time like an eternal warning. The desert remained an enigma, enticing adventurers with its mysteries, yet deterring those who sought to exploit its secrets. In the heart of the arid wasteland, the Thunderbird continued its watchful vigil, soaring high above the endless dunes, 
its piercing eyes ever watchful. But now it seemed as though it was not just the desert's guardian. It had become a symbol of the desert's spirit, a reminder of the delicate harmony between man and nature, and the price one might pay for disrupting that equilibrium. And so the tale of John Tanner, the man who had encountered the Thunderbird and lived to tell the tale, became a legend in its own right. His journey into the unforgiving desert had forever changed him, and his respect for nature's mysteries would echo through generations to come. In the vast expanse of the desert, the story of the Thunderbird remained alive, carried by the winds that whispered through the dunes. I'm just glad he made it out. Yeah. <laughs> another recurring... Completely fine. <laughs> another recurring um, mechanic that... Uh, that the AI seems to like to use is everything is a reminder of something. I mean, yeah, that's it. It's at the end. And I don't know how many, how many we've done at this point, but there's always like, and it served as a constant reminder. Yeah. Of the true horror that such and such (laughs) blah, blah. Always. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's silly, but I think, I don't know. I think eventually we'll see some, We'll see a little bit of changes. There is also the option. I know that uh, when when I was looking at it this time and uh, doing doing my story, is it gave the option to do you know, of course the the free current uh, available yeah chat GPT you know, available right chat GPT. You could either do three and a half or four. Four does require a sub, but I'm I'm almost curious to try it next time. Yeah, just to see how much how much different. Uh, you might come up with yeah it might be completely different See if there's any real changes right i know there are a few other a few other options too i i thought about trying some of the other ones yeah yeah i have a hard time straying away from chat gpt just because i know there's a lot of those others that are just like not really very useful or they're they're not as a lot of them aren't as good right but yeah i I might experiment with some other ones so you see what I can get out of it. I mean, it'd, it'd be worth it. I would love to hear a story that's actually dark, right? Yeah. And not so, you know, not always like positive. Yeah, and yeah, for sure. Granted, I mean, like even even um, you know the one that we talked about before the the shrouded ones. Yeah, um, you know, like just the way that the that that was all set up and just. I'm just the again with him being like, yeah, I'll tell you my story and yeah. being all just like, I, I want, I want more than that. Yeah, I not want, I a, want some real meat to it and not, not, not such, such a, a happy yeah, story, not such a simple resolution, right? Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, agreed. But we'll see. Maybe we'll return to part two of of that one and see, uh, see if I can get more out of it. Yeah. I, um, so, I mean, I could at least like suggest all the characters die. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> see, how, see how that goes. I I would have you know had the Thunderbird like swooping down and like tearing John's arms off and shit. So that would be know? awesome, right? Yeah, I certainly wouldn't have had. I would never would have thought to have the spirit of the desert rise up and protect him. You right? Know what I mean, yeah. I like it though. I mean, the Thunderbird is a very like mystical being. It's tied to a lot of like ancient, 
I don't know if ancient's the right word, but a lot of very old like mysticism and um yeah, Native American legend. So yeah. It's basically considered I think like a nature spirit. Right? That's so, fair. That's fair, yeah. Oh cool. This was good. I like the stories. Yeah, I I I just love the I mean, despite there's 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 problems. But despite that, I really enjoy the AI stories. I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. It's cool to see it like progress too, because as much like fun as we poke at it, the stories have gotten tremendously better. Oh, they, when we they, started. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. From from the first couple, it was. I mean, they weren't they weren't very great, but I think there's like now it's gaining a lot of you know actual kind of background. It's got it's yep. gaining a lot of depth and yeah, and you know stuff like that, which really helps and. And I also love that, it, like, how descriptive it's it's becoming, and yeah, you know, whereas the first couple ones were not overly descriptive, right? They were like know? fairy tale templates, right? Basically, how they started, and this kind of paints a paints like a whole scene and everything, and yeah, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty awesome. I've enjoyed it. Friday Night Fright thirteen, same lucky number thirteen. Lucky 13. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think that's uh that's going to do it. Yeah. Let's leave it there. Sure, right there. I'm right there. Right there. Well, see you later. Bye.